Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. He got all the tools, so I told him, like, you know, Ain't gonna be too much longer. We gonna be saying Smitty the uh, best receiver in the league for sure. He, he ain't gonna be too much longer. Best receiver in the league. Yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna put a crazy on, but he's he's got that type of ability to be that like kind of guy. You know, he can continue to keep doing what he's doing and growing as a player, which I know he would. Yeah, ain't gonna be too much longer. They gonna say that. You know, we gonna have the base, best two for sure. Darius Slay giving praise to the Slim Reaper Devonte Smith. That's my only concern with him. Skill set. Great. Build. Is he built to keep it going through the grind of a full season? He's been banged up a little bit in his first couple of years, but that's my concern. He's just not a big guy, and you get thrown around. And one thing the Giants figured out last year by the time the playoffs rolled around, when you have a dominant receiver like Justin Jefferson, just go hit him. Just go hit him. Send seven guys to the ball every time he has it and make him aware of the physicality the defense is bringing to the table. So if Smith does become one of the great receivers in the NFL, he's going to have to worry about that physicality that he's going to see more and more of. Yeah, you know, you know, I, I don't disagree with you there. Hopefully that, that's one of those things where, hey, he continues to work on it. As you get older, as you know, you start to become a little thicker there. But, you know, it, it noted what Darius Slay is saying. It's that type of ability, right? And, and if, if he could stay healthy, to your point, he has the ability to be – like, you know, a superstar, wow, unbelievable receiver, which is unbelievable because they already have one on the other side of the field. And we saw glimpses from Devontae Smith last year. I mean, again, we saw big plays in the Super Bowl. He can run by you. You know, he can run by anybody in that department. And then route running, like we were talking about last week with him doing the the ladder drills and all that, his route running ability is through the roof good. So I would think that part of his game continues to grow too where they use him more in that way. But damn, the Eagles are good. 
damn, the Eagles got a lot of talent. Damn, a lot of them are young and still got a lot of years in front of them. And it's on both sides of the ball. And it's just like, as a Giant fan, I just go, the Eagles are going to be damn good for like the next 10 years. And that, you know, is sad and annoying, but also awesome for Philadelphia fans. And they're so good that they don't need to play their starters. Their starters are ready to go. They're confident they can get these young guys up to speed, which they did heavily in their preseason opener. Tonight, though, it's the Browns and the Eagles as week two of the preseason gets rolling. They've had some joint practices. There was some complaining earlier in the week by Joel Batonio, the great Browns guard, about some cheap shots on quarterback Deshaun Watson that, you know, they weren't respecting that, that, ritual of don't touch the quarterback in practice right well I don't know how much we're going to see from Deshaun Watson tonight but I think he has said he's going to start in this game I think he said we're going to see him out there right didn't play well wait wait no he played last week he said he was going to start that game I don't know last week he played last week that's right you're right right. that was the second preseason game he's not playing tonight so the Eagles won't get a shot at him it's the the guy from UCLA that you like Dorian Dorian Thompson Robinson right DTR Dorian Thompson Robinson. Right. I came very close to Dorian Bethel Thompson because there was a quarterback that went by Bethel Thompson recently, and I knew that was not right. So I'm glad I allowed you to smoothly utter the name, and I didn't have to admit that I had my head up my ass, which I went ahead and admitted anyway. So Dorian Thompson Robinson plays tonight for the Browns. We won't see Deshaun Watson in uniform. A bigger picture, though. Yeah. Three weeks and change away from the Browns getting the season started, and I still don't know what to make of the Browns, and I don't think anybody knows what to make of the Browns. I I, I hear you there. There's there's you know there's some areas on their football team where I think we look at it and go, wow, they're they're really talented there. You know, can they bring it all together? Can Deshaun Watson be what he we think he's capable of being? You know, I thought he looked really good last week. You know, we got heard rave reviews about him when we were at the Hall of Fame game, all of that. But, yeah, they're kind of one of those teams in the AFC where, of course, they're in the playoff picture, but we're just like, how good are they? What, what is it? How much of an influence is Jim Schwartz going to have on that defense on that side of the ball? Right? You know, I think those are, those are all the questions. And then we ought to see what the offense is going to look like because everything we've been told and the way it looked is they want to be more pass-oriented, even though they've been awesome on the run game. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. I don't, I don't know if we're going to get to see a lot tonight like, we're gonna see, like you said, but there's at least some young guys to evaluate in this one especially on the Philadelphia side, Mike, that I think are, are worth watching just to see, hey, how much they contribute. The middle linebacker, N'Kobe Dean, right? They signed two veterans last week. You know, that, those are signs of like, hey, maybe they're not sure about that position. So I think those are some things maybe we can glean about, about tonight's football game. And it's a flip-flop of what we saw two weeks ago, Browns-Jets in Canton. Dorian Thompson-Robinson will start and play the first half. Kellen Mond plays the second half. It sure feels like Mond is on the way out, doesn't it? Your guy from Texas A&M, the third-round pick of the Vikings two years ago. It feels like Dorian Thompson-Robinson has leapfrogged Mond, and it's just a matter of time before Mond is no longer on the Browns roster. It just feels like that's the direction it's moving. I, I, I hear you there, right? You know, because I would feel like these two would be competing. Josh Jobs is the veteran guy that you have there to go, wait, he's played, so we're going to keep him here. These two haven't played but have potential. And, yeah, Kellen Mond has not shown nearly the potential that Dorian Thompson-Robinson has. I mean, it, you know, Robinson's a, it's a natural. 
He knows how to play the football game. He knows how to play in the pocket, when to get out of the pocket, when to play backyard football, you know, when to run and do that. Um, been very impressed with him in, in both preseason performances. But, yeah, I'm with you there. If it goes the way we've seen the first two games, Kellen Mond will be out of there. Something that Miles Simmons and I talked about the day after the Hall of Fame game when you were sleeping at the Motel 6 up in Cleveland. <laughs> the Mond has a stiffness to his game yes. that has never gone away. Uh-huh. There's just a stiffness, a rigidity to his. He's just too tight. Yes, too robotic and, 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 there. And, yes. Yeah, and it's never gone away. No, it's it never has. And, you know, Thompson Robinson is a guy that you know, he's got starting quarterback potential and traits you know, one day in this league. I think he does. And uh, I'll, I'll be excited to see him continue to kind of grow his potential here tonight. And then, you know, see it with, which I hope we're going to see, like we saw a little last week, and I didn't study this game real in depth. I watched it, but didn't study it like I usually do, Mike. I mean, Jalen Carter, he popped last week a few times in that Ravens game. We get a chance to see him again. And, uh, you know, Jordan Davis, of course, their first round pick from two years ago. And Nolan Smith, number three, started DN. This is the this is the first play the guy's ever in the game right here. He never plays. The first play is like, oh, right guard in the NFL? No problem. See you later. Oh, this is just like college. They can't block me. I mean... That's he's he's amazing, and his buddy right there, number three, is the guy coming around the edge, and Nolan Smith. So that's they're worth watching alone. Just watching these Georgia freaks and just seeing if they can take over this year will be fun to watch tonight. You know, it's funny. I saw a tweet yesterday from one of those accounts that I, I don't know how. I mean, I don't, it's just I think it's the Rookie Watch account. I, I, Praising Jalen Carter and raising the question, how did he fall out of the top five? Well, it wasn't Duh. well documented at the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Were you Duh. not paying attention? You call yourself rookie watch. Were you not ra- watching you, you, the rookies? You watched the, the very the draft. part of that. You only watched them <laughs> yeah. after the draft? Yes, there's a reason why he fell to number, what was it? Number ten. Number uh, nine? Or they ten. went from, did they, did they, they go traded up, up to nine? To nine. Right? They traded up to yeah, nine. Right, right. They went from ten to nine yeah. with the Bears. Because they were concerned, because it was so obvious they were going to take him at 10. I think they were afraid somebody was going to jump him if the Bears uh, hadn't traded that pick to the Philadelphia Eagles. So he ended up going number nine. And there was a real question whether he would even go in the top 10 because of the, the off-field incident, the, the car accident that happened back in January. So that's why he wasn't top five. He's got the skills. And there's been this concern. Is he really going to play hard? Is he yeah. going to be disciplined? Right. And so far, so good. Yeah. Uh, as it relates to the Browns, though, and this is a tweet that I noticed last night, and this was... Text from a former PFT writer, Zach Jackson, who's now with The Athletic, tweeted by a former PFT writer, Greg Rosenthal, who's now working for Big Shield. This is the observation that Zach Jackson made. He's been covering the Browns for The Athletic for several years now. The passing, pass, easy for him to say, the passing game has been completely unimpressive. Anything that involves Deshaun Watson remaining in the pocket has been an adventure, and not since early in camp have we seen strings of consecutive completions in any 11-on-11 period. That, Chris, is alarming. Yeah, yeah. This is where I worry about the Browns kind of jamming the round peg into the square hole just because we paid the quarterback a ton of money. Right. And that's that's what I worry about. And I know these are real worries 
you know, and, and, you know, we even, I think Jason Garrett, I had these conversations with, with him a little at the hall of fame game too. You know, I understand you want to make it about Deshaun Watson and you paid him all this money, but I mean, they have been the best running team in football or one of the best for the last three or four years. We're just going to abandon that with what we talked about yesterday, a high priced right tackle, a first-round pick, left tackle, and two guards who are among the six or seven highest-paid guards in football, and we're just going to go pass the ball every time? You know, that that's where I don't get it. And you know I've questioned Kevin Stefanski in the past a little bit, and part of that is because of I don't think the offensive passing game is ever what's really impressed me. It's, it's his run game call and how he does that. Deshaun Watson's an amazing bootleg and play-action pass quarterback. I don't know why you wouldn't want to stay in that realm. It seems like they're trying to force this issue that I don't and, and I don't get it. And and Mike, what I want to pose to you or the fans out there is like if if Deshaun Watson drops back and he's in the shotgun and it's forty five times a game and he throws for three hundred and eighty yards and four touchdowns, okay, great. But you know, is that much better than, okay, he's underneath the center more and he throws it 31 times a game and still throws for the same amount of yards and maybe a less touchdowns because we give the ball to Nick Chubb too or whatever, but we're winning games at the end of the year and all that. That's what I just, I, I, I worry about them a little bit, you know, cutting off their nose to spite their face a little bit in this, in this discussion just because of the contract of Deshaun Watson. Well, and that's the problem, and it goes back to having an owner who is too involved in the football decisions and who gets an idea in his head and won't let it go, and that's clearly what happened last year with the pursuit of Deshaun Watson. When they got kicked out of the four teams that were in the running for Watson, what did they do? They freaked out. They got desperate, and they offered that ridiculous five-year fully guaranteed contract that turned everything on its head and made them the pariahs of the NFL. And then Watson gets suspended 11 games, so his first season of five years is shot. And on top of the money, they give up multiple, what, three first-round draft picks to get Watson. And and so what are you going to do with him now? You're exactly right. What do you do with him now? Are you trying to construct an offense that will win football games, or are you trying to construct an offense that suits the skills and abilities of Deshaun Watson? Ideally, both. Yeah. Ideally, both. Right. But but here's the problem. Here's the problem. And this is why Kevin Stefanski is one of the guys on the hot seat entering the season, not because of his past performance, but because of the circumstance. Yeah. Because if it doesn't work, if it doesn't work, he's the one who's gone. Definitely. He's the, you're not, Deshaun Watson's not the one who's gone. He's the one who's gone. And next year, they got to find a coach that will come in and get the most out of Deshaun Watson. And I think that Bill O'Brien is on the short list of guys that the Browns would want to hire. Now, O'Brien may say, no, thank you, Cleveland. But Bill O'Brien makes the most sense because he's coached Deshaun Watson before successfully. Yeah, I, I mean, I, 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 I don't think you're crazy to throw that on anybody's radar at all there. And yeah, this is a big year. It is, and it's it's big on Kevin Stefanski, and yeah, in a lot of ways, like you're you're saying, it it's probably not fair on him. Um, but yeah, I'm interested to see what this offense looks like, and yeah, you know, just as a football guy, I go let's let's just still run the ball. Let's let's come up with more play action passes, more passes that look exactly like the runs that we kick the crap out of with every all every week. 
You know, let, let's in, let's let's improve in that area. And Watson will be phenomenal. And hey, we know third downs. You're getting the shotgun and spread it out, and he'll throw the football and do what he's got to do there. Uh, but yeah, it, it's it's uh, as you said earlier in the segment, ain't a lot of wiggle room. It's the AFC. It's the AFC North, and they better hit the ground running and have all their ducks in a row here because uh, you you could be out of this thing in a hurry if you you falter too long. All right, let's take a break. They don't have many youngsters on offense in Cleveland. It's a mainly veteran group. But elsewhere, what youngsters offensively or defensively need to step up this season? That's the subject of today's PFT Live Draft. We'll do it next. This show has existed in some form or fashion for 12 years now. In the past 12 years, I can guarantee you that not once was the phrase They're the bee's knees ever used. And then again, five seconds later, <laughs> they know they're the bee's knees. That is truly an amazing feat you've accomplished this morning. Hey, thanks, man. Thanks. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> yes. Well done. Well done. Good classic Uh, song right there by Blind Melon. That was was a good one. What was the song? Rain? Is that the song? uh, What's the song? I uh, I don't want to sing it, you know. Uh, life is. I don't want you to plain. sing it. What's the title uh, of it? Uh, uh, What's the title I of it? I can't think of it right now. I don't know. Gosh, I've smoked a lot of weed, and that was 20 years ago. I can't remember anymore. Damn it. What are you thinking? You think I can remember that stuff? I'm just trying to remember football, well, okay? I mean, geez. I did yesterday. You remember ha- the bee's knees, I, even I, though it was a saying before you were born. I don't know how I came up with that yesterday. I had a day of bees yesterday. I said that. Then, um, you know, my daughter... She opened up our beehives yesterday and got in there. We had a little honey for the first time. One of the hives isn't doing as well, right? So Captain Planet wasn't happy about that. Uh, but but uh, either way, yeah, got got a full dose of bees whatever, yesterday. Whatever happened? Whatever happened to all the honeybees dying? Colony collapse disorder? Is it, that still it's, a thing? Oh, it's without it a doubt like a it thing. Isn't. It's a without a doubt a thing. Yes, it, it's hard. We 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 have two colonies every year. Last year was one of the first years that both colonies make it. Right, but because of pesticides, people putting stuff that kills your weeds on the grass, there's not enough flowers to go around anymore. All of those things have really, really hurt bee population, right? They're, you know, they're ingesting a lot of poison on a daily basis, and it's hard for they bring that back to the the beehive and it, it screws everything up. Yeah, not a big fan of bees because they sting. And uh, that was one of my big fears as a kid. I'm finding out the hard way that I'm allergic to bees because I guess you could have gone to a doctor and figured that out, but I never thought to really ask. But I was just always concerned I was going to get swarmed by bees and I was going to die from allergic reaction to the bee sting. See, I've always been this way. <laughs> we know, I've I know, I know. You didn't just come like this at uh, one incident. It, it's always been. I know. <laughs> All right. Um, here we go. Uh, Wink Martindale, Giants defensive coordinator. By the way, the song was No Rain by Blind Mountain. That's I got what it half was. of it right. right. No rain. Good job by you. I said rain. Right. Half of it. All right. Uh, rain, no rain. They know who we mean. Okay. Wink Martindale, Giants defensive coordinator, recently spoke out about his personal expectations for second-year pass rusher Kayvon Thibodeau. Let's have a listen to Wink Martindale. I expect him to be at the top of everything, and, and so do we. And I've talked to him about, you know, his practice. And uh, we, we, you know, I, I think that 
he heard me clearly, and I talked to him in front of the entire defense. So Kayvon's going to be fine, first of all. I, I do keep it real with everybody on where they're at and why they're there, and, and because the last thing I want as a coach is for a player to drive in this parking lot and not know where they stand, especially especially this time of year. Um, you know, because I, I think that you know we, we build our our relationships, we build our foundation on trust and, and honesty. Martindale called him out in front of the entire defense very plainly, very clearly on what he can be and what he needs to do to get there. And Thibodeau yesterday talked about it, and he didn't have a problem with it because he understands. He understands. If you don't step up, your NFL career is going to be short. Yeah. You have to always be looking to make yourself better. You have to be always striving for something more because you will be gone. Every year there's a new crop. Every year there's someone else who's trying to take what you got. you got to fight every single year, every single month, every single day to keep what you've got. It's easy to say it. Now you got to do it. And it sounds like he's ready to do it and to get his, his full potential in bloom. And we'll see if he can pull it off. Yes, yeah. Hopefully, I know ho- you haven't been a believer in him. Well, I, you weren't I, a believer when yeah, they drafted him. Right. Are you a believer now? No, no, I'm not yet. I got to see more. He, you know, again, hey, he's a top five pick, right? We know that those are huge for football teams. It's a huge asset. You know, at a position that we know is other than quarterback, maybe the most important position in football. And of course, it's the New York Giants. And yeah, it's Lawrence Taylor, Carl Banks, Michael Strahan. You know, uh, you know, Justin Tuck, not Justin Tuck. Uh, uh, yeah, 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 you know what I'm saying. Uh, yeah, Justin yeah. Tuck. I'm right, right? Yes, the defensive yeah. lineman. Yeah. I, I don't yeah. know. I got Justin Tucker in my head there for a second. But, yeah, they have an expectation out of that position for one. And then, yeah, to draft him number five, they won more from him. He got a little of a free pass last year because of the Monday night game was his best game or Sunday night game against Washington. And that was, you know, everybody could see it. And then he had a strip sack fumble late in the game against the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. And because of those two moments, everybody kind of forgot about the other 15 games that were kind of, yeah, wanting you to want more. So can he turn the corner? Mike, really good, awesome pass rushers are the tone setters for football teams in practice, right? I mean, TJ Watt, is annoying for everybody on the team in practice. Miles Garrett is annoying all practice long. They ruin practices that way, right? The 49ers, to a degree, are like happy Nick Bosa's not there because he's so crazy. They know he's going to ruin practice and do all that to him, and they know he's working. That's what they want, the Giants. They want a guy that they know. It's, it's pedal to the metal all the time, and then that raises the level of everybody else on the defense, and you know, I don't think they've seen that from Thibodeau quite yet. All right, so inspired by those comments, today's draft, young players that we need to see more from this season. And the definition of young, second year, third year, that's kind of loosely where I've been looking. Not first year because they're just getting started. So year two, year three. Now, here's a trivia question. It has nothing to do with young players. It focuses on old players. With Tom Brady gone, there are three current NFL players that are 39 years old, and they are the oldest three players in the league. Who are they? Like, I know this is one I'm going to be so mad. Rodgers is one, right? Yes. Robbie Gold? Would he be in this? He's not on a team right now. He's not. So I'm not going to give you an Okay, okay, okay. He's not on a team. All right. And then, I I mean, the other one's got to be quarterbacks, right? And, And I'm choking to death here. 
And I cannot think of who not I would. Quarterbacks. They're not quarterbacks. They're not kickers. Quarterbacks. They're kickers. One kicker and one offensive skill position player. Wow. Okay, I don't get it. I give up. Let me let me hear it. I'm, I'm, All right. Yeah. Matt Prater is the kicker, oh. and guy. How about guy drafted the same year as Aaron Rodgers? Skill position player drafted 2005. Played with Rodgers not that long ago. Oh my! Tight, tight end. Mercedes Lewis. Yes. Damn, Mercedes Lewis. I mean, I you know, I, I, I just can't believe he's 39 years old. And Matt Prater, I should have known that. He's my ex-teammate, and damn, he's still good. That that's I knew I was going to be mad. I didn't figure that out. I knew it. All right, well, I'm not mad you didn't figure it out. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. It gives me the first pick. Right. But, but there's a lot of different ways you can go here. And this guy's third year. And it feels like he's being pushed by his backup, Jalen Warren. I think he's got potential to be one of the great NFL running backs. And if he's ever going to get paid like one, this is the year to do it. We've talked previously about the critical nature of that third year. Najee Harris, he needs to step up and have the kind of year that I think he can have. That Alabama running back between the tackles, a lot of carries, a lot of yards, make that offense go, set up the play-action passes. And if he doesn't, he is going to get jumped by Jalen Warren, and uh, he may end up elsewhere, not sooner rather than later, but eventually kind of like a James Conner, finish your rookie contract, and then you go somewhere else. Yeah, yeah, it, you know, it, it, it does seem like it's a big year. You know, I, I think we both knew there was, you know, I don't want to say unhappiness, but they wanted more from him last year at certain ports, parts of the year, right? And then, that, then, hey, listen, his explosion and speed, that was the question for me and I think some other people coming out in the draft, right? I mean, if I remember right, he only had like one run over 20 yards his last year at Alabama. It was a lot of five and eight and five and eight, and you were going, wait, I don't know. Is that going to be five and eight in the NFL or is it going to be two and one? And I think right now, and of course their own lines hasn't been great either, so it's hard. But it, it hasn't looked what it, we thought it was going to look like. That, that's for sure. That's a good pick by you. This, is, this is the he year. He still had 1,000 yards rushing last year. I know. 3.8 per carry. I know. I know. Yep. And he's big as hell, and he's physical, and he is pretty good in the pass game too. So he's got more value than, than just carrying the football. I'm going to go with the number one pick from last year on the Jacksonville Jaguars, Trayvon Walker. He's a guy that, you know, it wasn't a bad year last year, but they need – he's the number one pick. It's it's time to, you know, start becoming Miles Garrett. It's time to start becoming, whoa, every week you go, man, nobody can block him. There's got to be a game plan over there, you know, and it just it, it doesn't seem like there's that type of buzz around him. I'm excited to continue to watch him here in the preseason, but the fact that Jadeveon Clowney was in there last week and stuff too, that that to me speaks to maybe they're, they want more from the guys on the edge there in Jacksonville. But it, it's, it's a big year for him, and he was outperformed by Aiden Hutchinson last year, the number two pick, and that's another reason why it puts a little more pressure on him. I'm going to go with a guy that will not be playing the first six weeks of the regular season, possibly because the league did a piss-poor job of educating players on what they can and can't do as yeah. it relates to the gambling policy. But Jamison Williams will be back for the final 11 games of the season. We saw what he did late in the year for the Lions, what he's capable of doing. They need him. They could get off to a slow start again. Who knows? 
But when he's back, they need him to step up and be the guy they traded up in round one to get. He had the torn ACL that raised some questions, should be fully healthy this year. Put the suspension behind you once you're back and come and play at a high level and make everyone in Detroit feel good about the selection, even with the hiccup that resulted in the suspension. Yeah, it's, it's tough. He had, he had some positive moments last week. He had a, you know, he beat somebody deep. Actually, it was a nice throw by Nate Sudfeld, and he dropped it on a, like a really deep crossing route. But you, you see the explosion, and yeah, I, I'm with you. I mean, if he, if he becomes, hey, everybody is amazed with Garrett Wilson, right? Jamison Williams, again, if you go back and watch his last year in college football, you'd go, well, he's Garrett Wilson with an extra rocket up his ass. I mean, that, that's what he was. You know, but he did not show that explosion last year after the ACL. And, and of course, is probably still battling that. Now not going to get to play. And, and you're right. They need him to show up, Mike. That's a good pick by you. Um, the next one I'm going to go with, I'm going to go to a team we just talked about not long ago. And, and, and a glaring issue they have. A team that I look at to go Super Bowl caliber in the Baltimore Ravens. And they need a pass rusher to step up. And a, a specifically, I'm going to go with Odafio Way. Odafio Way, Penn State, first round pick three years ago. And it's time for him to turn the corner and become a force on the edge for the Baltimore Ravens. They don't have that presence. They have David Ojabo right behind him who was also going to be a first-round pick, Mike, and you remember he tore his Achilles tendon at, a, at the pro day in Michigan. But one of those guys, somebody there has got to step up. And away is the starter right now, and, and hopefully he can do that because the Baltimore needs it. Um, I agree with you completely, and we talked earlier about that, how that defense finds a way to be Ravens, and this year they need those guys. Uh, to, to really step up and provide that pass rush if they're going to keep up with some of the great quarterbacks in the conference. I'm torn now between – I mean, I'm staying on the offensive side of the ball. You're on the defensive side of the ball. I'm going to go with two guys in one. I'm going to I'm gonna uh, exercise the – Cool. The, That's all right. Whatever privilege I feel like exercising. Uh, you own Christian the, you own the damn Dogs. show privilege? Is that the, the privilege you're – I don't you're... own the show. NBC does. <laughs> oh, okay. NBC does. Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs. Yeah, the, the second-year receivers for the Packers. Yeah, Dobbs was hot to start last year. Aaron Rodgers seemed to trust him more. Christian Watson had that huge drop in Week One. I think the whole season goes differently for the Packers if he catches that ball on their opening offensive play of the season in Minnesota. I think they win that game, and I think the whole season has a different vibe. But Watson came on later. Dobbs still had potential. He got banged up at one point, had an ankle, and missed some time. If Jordan Love is going to become the guy that they need Jordan Love to be, these guys need to deliver, yeah. even though they're only in their second season. Yeah. They need to step up. They need to provide the reliable targets. They need to catch the ball. They need to get it done. They need to run with the ball after they catch it and pump up the Jordan Love stats because nobody cares if the ball goes 60 yards in the air or five yards in the air and the guy runs with it for 55. Those guys need to be solid in order for love to be what they need for him yeah, to develop yeah. into. You know, they were on my list too. And, and, and I have a few guys like this on my list where it's like, no, I saw a lot. Like it, it was really good. Like these two, I think we both would agree with that. I think we're both, you're, you're, what you're saying and why I would have picked them too is to go, 
they need to go to the next level here. Like you're saying, you got to be a little bit more right. of a game changer. We need more from you. It was a good start, but we need more. Like I had Jahan Dotson, the, the receiver in Washington on my list for that. Like it was a good first year. I'm not trying to say he didn't show up. I'm just saying if he becomes like an awesome number one along Terry McLaurin as a number one, you go watch out. That's going to be tough to deal with. So I, I like that pick by you there, man. I really do. I also had the two guys on Georgia uh, on Green Bay on my list too, and Devontae Wyatt and Quay Walker, but I won't choose them. I'm going to go with another receiver, and that's Traylon Burks. Traylon Burks, who I know yesterday was carted off the practice field and joint practice. He's fine. He's fine. fine. Good okay. news. Good He's to okay. hear. Yes. But they need him. They need him to. We know DeAndre Hopkins is there. Sure. We get it, and he'll be good. But they drafted Burks first round and got rid of A.J. Brown for him, and he's got to start to show at least that he can fill some of that void. So uh, I look at him to to have a, a, a good year. By the way, you mentioned the joint practices. Vikings and Titans practiced yesterday. No fights there. Nobody from the Titans is going to get into any fights during joint practices because you know who they have to answer to if they do. The big man, Mike Frable. they got to fight him. If they fight anybody else, and that's it's probably as simple as that. Hey, if you're going to fight anybody else, you're going to fight me too. <laughs> so, uh, no yeah, fights yeah. by Titans. They laid down the law. <laughs> All right. Yeah. All right. Let's take a break. Mac Jones had some advice for Jordan Love on how to follow a legend at the quarterback position. We'll discuss that next here on PFT Live. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact. With semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch, it's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. There is Ezekiel Elliott wearing number 15 for the New England Patriots. Uh, is that him? Yeah, that's, that's him. A little, 
Maybe he's just wearing a lot of clothes. He's looking a little big there. Is that just me? I think the sweatpants yeah, and the big he's got t-shirt the sweatshirt are creating on. an optical illusion. He's trying to sweat or he's it trying to conceal. Yeah. Or he's trying to conceal. <laughs> he's, either, he's either deliberately wearing baggy clothes to conceal or that's all that they had in his size or close to it. I don't know. I didn't think that was him at first. Maybe it's the different uniform. Maybe it's the number 15. But he's now a member of the New England Patriots on a one-year deal worth up to $6 million. We've got the full breakdown at PFT as to how he gets to the $6 million. He's got to play 70% of the snaps, among other things. And I don't think many slash any running backs for the Patriots are on the field for 70% of the snaps. It's just not the way they do things. But Ramondre Stevenson, clearly the guy there. Ezekiel Elliott there is a compliment between the tackles, runner, game plan specific. And... It, it just it just illustrates that there was really nothing else for him. And he got to the point where he was done waiting. He took that as a role player, and he'll see what happens with the New England Patriots. Yeah, 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 we'll see. And he'll be, like you said, situational. Short, you know, short yardage, goal line situations. That's where he's still really damn good. And he has value there. And Belichick and company believe in that. And Ramondre Stevenson is not exactly that sledgehammer type of guy, even though he's bigger. He's a little bit more of a dancer and makes people miss and gets on the edge of would-be tacklers that way. And then also what that does, too, which I always think with New England is, yeah, they get they get Zeke Elliott in there, and he gets eight touchdowns from the one-yard line. And then when Ramon J. Stevenson asks for a new contract next year after getting 1,000 yards, they're going to go, well, look, you only had a few touchdowns. It's You're not as good as you think you are. Well, here's a lower contract. So uh, that's what I always feel like New England. England is kind of good at getting out in front of as well. Yeah, um, absolutely. Now, uh, the other issue for the New England Patriots, what is Mac Jones going to do this year as the starting quarterback? I thought about making him one of my picks for the draft last second. Yeah, sure. Because he's year three, and year one was Pro Bowl, although, I mean, come on. Uh, He wouldn't have been one of the best three. It was just he fell into it, but he had a strong enough year to get there. Yeah. Last year was the whole safety scissors and crayons offense. And he fell off and it was a big mess. You know, even though they got Bill O'Brien, a lot of the focus is going to be on him. Mac Jones has to step up this year. He's got, this is it. This is it. I feel like if he doesn't have a sufficiently strong year in 2023, either he's gone in 2024 or they bring in somebody to compete Truly with him, not just kind of a half-hearted, yeah, maybe there's yeah. a competition. Right. A real competition in 2024. I don't I don't disagree there. I don't. You know, I, I, it is a big year. There's no doubt. He's got Billy O'Brien. We'll see. They got some potential at receiver. The O-line should be pretty good. Um, but, yeah, it, it does seem like, yeah, there's a spotlight on him. There's a little bit of a discontent from the New England fan base around him up there. Uh, So we'll see where this goes. It's certainly a big year for the Patriots and a situation I feel like we haven't seen them in 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 forever. You know, they really like Malik Cunningham. And when I go back and look at what he did at Louisville, he had like 30 touchdowns one year between rushing and passing. And he was great last Thursday night. There's a lot of buzz about him. Juju Smith-Schuster was talking about him. He's getting more reps at quarterback, fewer at receiver. I think they brought him in with the idea that it was going to be kind of like a Joe Webb when 
Remember him? Yeah. The Vikings brought him in as a receiver. He was a former quarterback. And they're like, man, this guy can maybe play quarterback. And the, the Patriots may have tripped over something here with Malik Cunningham. And that would be something if they just kind of have a guy, wasn't even sixth-round pick, 199 overall, undrafted guy that just kind of shows up and ends up being a pretty damn good player. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it'd be interesting. Yeah, it feels like they took him to be more like the Julian Edelman and let's see if we can make him a slot receiver. And then they realized, hey, the guy's got a little more natural ability at the quarterback position than, than maybe they thought. You know, the throwing, I think, is the thing you wanted more from at Louisville. But we're seeing guys, you know, change their throwing and improve in uh, a, a way quicker time and, or fashion than we used to in the past. And he looks like he's made some strides there. And you're right, he did look good last week in that game. Um, and uh, we'll see more and more from... Malik Cunningham through the balance of the preseason. Mac Jones had some advice for Jordan Love during joint practices yesterday. Love following Aaron Rodgers. Mac Jones kind of following Tom Brady. There was a year in between, but here's what Jones said to Love about uh, how to follow a legend. Yeah, I think um, Tom Brady's the greatest quarterback to ever play in the NFL, so uh, to follow up on him, it's just trying to chase the standard that he set um, every day and uh, honestly, we're definitely two different players, and that's the only advice I'd have. And uh, just continue to grow and be yourself, right? That's all you can do is put your best foot forward and compete. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely big, big shoes to fill. But the difference, yes, Mac Jones wasn't even there when Brady left the Patriots. Jordan Love had three years to watch, to study, to learn from Aaron Rodgers. And there was never a sense, with all the dysfunction that was happening in Green Bay, there was never the sense that there was any animosity between Rodgers and Love the way that there was years ago between Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. The Brett Favre biography from Jeff Perlman gets into just a lot of the the stuff, the back and forth. Favre and Rodgers just didn't get along early on, and they patched things up over the years. But Love was in a position to to really soak up a lot from Rodgers, whereas Mac Jones kind of had to figure it all out on his own. Yeah, And maybe Mac Jones would have benefited from a year or two of watching Tom Brady, especially last year when they were going through everything they went through on offense. Yeah, uh, all, he, all he had was, you know, Josh McDaniels telling him how Tom Brady did things, right? That, that was the biggest thing. But, you know, either way, neither situation was easy. That's for sure. And in a lot of ways, the, you know, the one thing I think is encouraging for Jordan Love here, because Mac Jones' advice is real, but, but I, you know, I think I look at it in some ways and go Green Bay and the roster itself, I think is better suited to support Jordan Love popping than the Patriots were to do to, to Mac Jones and making him pop. I mean, we know you said it. He had a good first year. We know that. They went to the playoffs. He did a lot of good things. But I look at this Packers roster and what they're leaving to Jordan Love and all that. Hey, we've, we've broken it down a little bit. O-line this is damn good. Defense was dancing around the top 10 last year, and we all agreed they underperformed. And they had one of their first-round corners not playing. But he got Stokes and Jair Alexander. And, you know, of course, the middle linebackers, like we talked about with Devondre Campbell, Quay Walker. They got a Devontae Wyatt, who's a first-round pick, who hasn't popped yet. And some other guys on that D, Lucas Van Ness to throw into it. First-round pick this year from Iowa. Along with Kenny Clark and Rashawn Gary. So I think the support system for, for Jordan Love it is better than it was for Mac Jones, and just hopefully he can capitalize that and they can all get on the same page. 
Tackle David Bakhtiari, who at one point in the offseason was referring to the Packers as they. He is back firmly in the we fold. He was on with Jim Rome, and he said of Jordan Love, the baseline is way higher than it would be for a first-year starter. Definitely a higher standard. He's had three years to understand the math of the offense, which is very fortunate for any first-round quarterback to get to watch and see how a first battle Hall of Famer and generational talent and a guy who borderline changed the quarterback position and how it's played. Even the mechanics of throwing the football, you're able to see that for three years. And then now coming in, yeah, his baseline for me is way higher. And absolutely right. You watched it, you learned it, you lived it, you saw it. 2020, 21, and 22. That gives Jordan Love one hell of an advantage over a guy like Mac Jones, who just heard about it. You just hear about it in hushed tones. You don't witness it. You don't live it. You don't learn from it. And I... I still don't get this Jordan Love pessimism. I really don't. He hasn't had a chance to play. He gets his chance now. Why would we think he's going to fail? Why would we be glass half empty on Jordan Love? There's every reason to think he's going to be successful. I know. The thing I always get to or hear people say and and the naysayers and even had some people say this to me in person, is just like, why isn't there more highlights? Why don't we see more things on social media of him making great throws or on the NFL network or doing that or whatever? And I I just want to go, I don't know. I I see some, you know, but I just, again, when you're behind maybe the greatest thrower in the history of football, nothing's going to wow that crowd up there. I mean, Aaron Rodgers has been throwing the ball through the net, you know, a a one-foot hole from 60 yards at every training camp for the last 15 years. But these throws are impressive. And he's adopted some of Rodgers' habits and the way he looks in the pocket like you're talking about. And he's got some touch to go along with it. So, you know, I'm with you. I'm not going to go to the the negative area here yet. I want to give this guy his due, let him play a little bit more. And I do see enough talent there where I think he could grow into something and be be a force this year at some point. That touchdown pass he threw is the most impressive throw I've ever seen from him, even though there's nothing about it that would make you say, wow. Because it shows a calm. It shows a level of control, a level of awareness of doing what needs to be done to get the ball where it needs to be. You don't have to put all of your arm into it every time, a la Trey Lance. You know when to take something off of it. And he just dropped it right in. It was cool. It was calm. It was what the Packers need at the quarterback position. Yeah, agreed there. He doesn't have to reinvent the wheel here. He's got two good receivers. They got some young tight ends. They got. They should have a running game. You know, take advantage of what's there, and then make a few high level throws like you're talking about. You know, and and that should be enough to get it done. I'm excited to see what he can do. But yeah, he he needs these reps in the preseason and continue to grow and get used to game situations. And you know, oh, I'm in a weird position and I got to throw the heater here. Let me let me throw it and get used to it so I can be accurate and consistent once the season goes along. Uh, so it'll be fun to watch this weekend and see what he does and see if he improves on what he did last weekend. Lions getting all that hype, all that love, all those expectations in the NFC North, even though they haven't won that division in a very long time. The Packers, who have owned it the past couple of decades, being kind of forgotten and overlooked. And probably like it that way. They open the season September 10 at Chicago, and then they go to the Falcons. They could get off to potentially a 2-0 start week three Saints, and then week four, a Thursday night game against those Lions at Lambeau Field. Wow. Wow. 
That's a great way to close out September. All right, we're going to take a break. When we return, we close out week one of the preseason with a look at some of the best catches. We'll do that next year on PFT Live. Dalvin Cook signing his contract with the New York Jets. We got the full contract. I read the whole thing. I broke it all down and figured out what's in there. There's a base salary of $1.08 million that's fully guaranteed. And there's a lot of money that is tied up in him actually being available to play. A total of $5.92 million that gets paid out per week. For him to either be on the 46-man game day roster or $4.7 million of it is tied to him being either on the active roster, inactive roster, injured reserve, physically unable to perform list, which implies maybe that shoulder won't be ready to go by week one. But $4.7 million split up by week that gives the Jets protection against a potential suspension. That was the big takeaway. Another general manager when. He saw the details, said they're expecting a suspension. The way this is structured, they're expecting something's going to come from that domestic violence civil lawsuit that is still percolating out there. When you look at the structure, it's impossible not to see that the Jets are setting up advanced protection for themselves against the possibility that he's going to be on the suspended list. Yeah, it's, it's a, they're covering themselves or, or just in case and what may happen. I think that's smart. Suspension. We know shoulder issue has become a problem. And, you know, it, it, maybe this looming possible suspension and where this goes is part of the reason there wasn't maybe more suitors or more teams more serious about throwing, you know, getting Dalvin Cook. Uh, I don't really know. But, I mean, either way, Mike, if, if he doesn't get suspended and he doesn't play, what, we're still talking like he's going to get, what, around $7 million for the year if he's, if he's healthy and plays the majority of the year. And then, of course, some incentives uh, as far as the statistics on top of that to where he can have a good payday. We'll see where he goes. Uh, it, it's kind of crazy, this, this whole thing he's got going off the field. It is flying very under the radar. To get the $7 million, and – it gets called the base package, but to get the $7 million, he's got to be in uniform every single game. That gets him to the $7 million. Right. Now, the extra $1.62 million, he's got to have 1,250 yards rushing to get 400000 1,500 yards from scrimmage to get another 400000 And then if he gets 1,250 yards from scrimmage and they make the playoffs, he gets 205,000 for every postseason win, up to another 820,000. So that's how he gets to 8.62 million. They have to win the Super Bowl, and he has to be in uniform for every game, and he has to rush for 1,250 yards, and he has to have 1,500 yards from scrimmage to get the full 8.62 million. That's how it happens. But the Jets have the protection against the potential for a suspension. This is not a normal contract. It wouldn't have been prepared this way, but for the fact that they recognize that there is going to be a potential suspension. And this contract was drafted and negotiated and structured, Chris, to protect the Jets against that possibility. And I think that that Cook was inclined to maybe wait for something better, for something structured differently. But once Ezekiel Elliott takes his deal worth up to three million or six million, excuse me. That's when Cook realized, I believe, I better take what I can get before it disappears. 
Yeah, I, I, I don't doubt that. I don't. And, and, and two, you know, at some point you just got to make a decision and sign on the dotted line and go, let's go. Let's get start getting ready for football and let me make sure I can put myself in the best possible position. Um, you know, uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. We know they got a player as far as a guy that can contribute and help them out in the football team in a lot of ways. Uh, let's see if he can stay on that field. All right, the Colts have once again seen running back Jonathan Taylor exit camp. He's leaving to deal with a personal matter. It is excused. He had just come back from having his ankle treated off-site. And I, look, I don't know what to make of any of this. I'm going to take it for what it's worth. I'm going to accept it at face value. But I acknowledge this as well. The Colts are trying their damnedest to take some of the steam out of this situation. So if we accept the fact that the Colts are trying to get it all under control and trying not to inflame it, it would stand to reason they wouldn't make a big deal out of it if Jonathan Taylor has to go for some reason. It may not be, maybe under different circumstances they'd call BS. With this, they're so intent on getting everything under control, they're inclined to just accept it and move forward without him again and hope he'll be back and ready to go week one when they play the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, I mean, it just we're, we're the, the clock is ticking to where it, it's getting to the point where you're just starting to go, I, I don't know if he can be totally the best Jonathan Taylor he can possibly be by week one. You know, just can he be in shape? Can that foot be good enough to where he can get the same explosiveness and ability to cut that he would have if it's totally 100% and practicing on it all along? I, I don't know. It just, yeah, it, it seems like a little bit of one thing after another right now. I don't know where this is going to go. And, um, yeah, the Colts are doing their best, like you said. And, and, and I believe Jonathan Taylor, you know, is telling the truth here. But, yeah, am I, would I be lying to though? Is this a game? Is this just a little bit of a power play? Is something being made up to just stick it to the Colts? Yeah, I mean, as a player, that's a, as an ex-player, those are the things that, that certainly went through my mind a little bit in the situation. I mean, there is a chance the personal matter is he personally doesn't want to be with the Colts anymore, and they're <laughs> giving him a couple right. of days to process. Exactly. They're exactly. trying to – look, right. they need him to accept – we've talked about this. They need him to accept that he's in checkmate. He is. The system has put him in checkmate. His decision to show up and not hold out has put him in checkmate. There's only one thing he can do at this point. Go play for $4.3 million, have a great year, and then you get franchise tagged and you figure it out next year. Demand a trade in March or try to get a long-term deal in February or March. Do something along those lines after you have a great year in 2023. But there, if you want to play football and if you want to lay the foundation to get paid a lot of money later, your only play, your only move is to play, play hard, play well, and see what happens next year. That's it. And, I mean, look, I don't like that that's the system. I don't like that he's in that spot. But that's the spot he's in, Chris. Yeah, no, it, it's messed up. It's messed up. And, you know, as an ex-player and a guy who feels for these running backs and, and you know, I, I want to be like, hey, Colts, throw him some extra money. Throw an extra $5 million on the pot for him this year. Let's get him going. Let's let him play. Whatever. I mean, th- that can be done, too. You know, again, it's, this is where I feel for these, these younger players. It's like this, these contracts aren't negotiated. They're already set in stone when they come into the league. He's outperformed it. He deserves more. It's screwed. It's screwed up. But you, you know, you you laid it out right. He he doesn't have many options. He needs to get out there and play. All right, we're going to take a break, 
and wrap up this Thursday edition, Friday for Chris of yeah. PFT Live right the after. The weekend, that. baby. Woo! Smoky, smoky. <laughs> drinky, drinky. So the Packers pulled a little bit of a prank on quarterback Sean Clifford. He came running out of the Hudson Center full speed for practice, and it turned out no one was out on the field. So he was. I want to know what they I mean, did. Look, were they inside? Were they hiding? I mean, how could you be that clueless to not know where the rest of the team is? I want to know what they did here to get them. I was talking earlier about the relationship between Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre early in Rodgers' career. In the Jeff Perlman book, Gunslinger, the story is told of a helmet that they had that they were going to autograph for charity, and Brett Favre swapped the the fake, phony autographed helmet out for Aaron Rodgers' helmet, and, and everybody signed it. And so Aaron Rodgers is out of practice with all these autographs all over his helmet back in <laughs> 2005. I kind of like that. I kind of like that. That is very so. good. It, it's, 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 that's the things that are awesome about a football locker room, you know, is the razzing and, you know, like you saw with the Jets last night on Hard Knocks, right? The rookies had to do their skits. It sucked, right? It was horrible. What did the vets do? They stood up and said, we're doing it again next week. You got a week to repair. You got to do it. Right. So they got to come up with yeah. something better. I love stuff oh, like that. Yeah. I'd rather I had more of the, uh, the mentalist, the <laughs> exactly. mentalist magician. What's, what's the best prank that got pulled on you? Well, I, I, you know, me personally, I can't say there was anything like totally crazy. I, I've told you about me having to have dip and carry bags for sap and, and, you know, of course, carrying pads as we get off the field. But here's one that didn't happen directly to me, but I thought was one of my all-time favorites right here. The great Mike Allstott, right? You know, the train's coming down the tracks, Mike Allstott. We have a young offensive lineman, Jeb Terry, on the football team. We draft him out of North Carolina. We come in the locker room one day. You know, he's been, he's carrying all the old line pads in. He's by the, the machine or the refrigerator that's got all the Gatorades and drinks in it. And all stock goes, Hey, Rook, give me a Gatorade. Bring it over here. And Jeb, I guess a little tired and hot. He decided that was enough for the day. He had enough of being it. He said, no, I'm not bringing it. I'm not doing it. And, you know, of course, the whole locker was like, oh, oh. And Allstott just looks at him and goes, okay, Rook, okay, yep, got you, Rook. Right. So next day, we walk into the uh, locker room, and Jeb Terry's hood of his car is at his locker. Okay. I mean, literally placed <laughs> right there to where he could sit, the, sit in the locker with the hood. And then, so that's all that's said there. Then we go out to practice, and Jeb Terry's, Tires are hanging from the field goal, uh, oh, the upright, God. right? Oh my and his God. car is on cinder blocks in the parking lot. So that was an all-timer right there. That's why you got to be careful messing with those vets, man. They know people, and they'll go to great, great extent. <laughs> yeah, there's a point where the prank violates one or more criminal laws on the books <laughs> of the state of Florida. There is a line. You don't want to cross with the pranks. Yeah, I, it's Florida. I, uh, There's no laws down there, Mike. It's the Wild West. Or don't worry about it. <laughs> it was good. By though. the way, apparently, yeah. uh, apparently, the Karate Kid was at Jets practice. Wow. The original 
Ralph Macchio. Wow. Hanging out with Liev Schreiber and whatnot. I, 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 uh, I assume that Rogers would say to Ralph Macchio the same thing he said to Liev Schreiber. I've seen all your movies, yeah. uh, which means he hasn't seen one. I want one of those guys to say name one. Just like remember the whole Nicolas Cage thing, and he couldn't name a Nicolas Cage movie. I was hoping when he said. To leave Schreiber, uh, yeah, I love all your movies. I wish Schreiber would have said to him, name one. <laughs> well, I think he does name one, maybe. I think he does name one. Maybe I'm wrong. But, hey, it's the Karate Kid, man. He's a legend. You got to respect him. Enjoy your weekend. Sweep the leg. See ya. Bye. I will. Work hard tomorrow. Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s. 1975, to be exact. With semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch, it's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.